a lot of people have been exposed to things like ChatGPT, which has been text. Um, that's the mode. But there's there's a whole bunch of other areas of research that have sort of come to a head as well that has been beyond text, like images and audio and different multimedia inputs and outputs. And once you stick all those things together, then you start getting really interesting combinations of things that you can do with AI. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT. Hey folks, uh, greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Paul Spain, back for our first live episode for 2024. Uh, great to have two fantastic guests with us, uh, Justin Flitter uh, from NewZealand.ai. Yeah, nice to be here. And David McDonald uh, from Being AI. Great to be back. Great to have you both here. So before we jump in, a big thank you to our show partners, 1NZ, 2Degrees, Spark, HP and Gorilla Technology. Um, Justin, let's start with you as a bit of an intro of where you fit into this this big world of, of AI. As we dive into an episode, now we're really wanting to look at you know, New Zealand's path to success in the world of AI in 2024. It's a huge opportunity for us, isn't it? So yeah, I founded NewZealand.ai in 2017 uh, as, a, as a program, as a platform to help business leaders and business professionals understand what artificial intelligence is, the different types of AI and how businesses are leveraging it in the workplace. And today, um, New Zealand.ai is where many Kiwi companies start their AI journey and we provide a lot of workshops and training and strategy and consulting around uh, uh, getting companies um, uh, integrated with different AI tools and building the skills that they need to create sustainable careers for their people and, and, and competitive businesses uh, as well. So really exciting exciting time and uh, really enjoy it. Yeah, great. And David? Yeah, so um, I've been in the tech space for a couple of decades now um, and in the uh, sort of AI and emerging uh, technology space for about eight years um, and uh, had, a, had a couple of vent- uh, successful AI ventures in that space now uh, with, with the likes of Futureverse, which has recently um, had some pretty big wins in the market. Um, and, uh, and recently founded a new venture called uh, Being Consultants and the Being AI group of, of companies, uh, which will be uh, listing on the New Zealand Stock Exchange uh, in uh, March, around March, um, through a reverse takeover. Um, yeah, oh, a lot of interesting things going on at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it sort of really feels like we've got a, an all-star cast for this discussion today. Uh, certainly, from you know myself, AI has been a you know an interest for for a long time. Um, you know, I, I guess this this last sort of you know twelve to eighteen months, it's been a, a big focus when I'm doing keynotes and and speaking to to varying audiences. Um, but I, I find wherever I go that there's there's big gaps in in our knowledge. And when I look at the opportunities for New Zealand, it seems as though uh, there just there isn't maybe that sort of full understanding of how big the opportunity is and why it's really important that really every individual and every organisation uh, should be delving into AI at you know at whatever level is appropriate for them. And you know often that's a hey let's get our feet wet let's you know let's get started and get a feel for where the technology fits in for other others, it's it's that opportunity to build global organisations that are selling, you know, our expertise, our offerings to the world. And I guess if we can if we can work out how these things sort of fit together, uh, and and maybe you know give some fill in some gaps for our audience today, I think that'd be fantastic. 
Um, I reckon we can do that. <laughs> okay, let's go. So uh, if we if we sort of step step back a, a little bit, there's a whole there's a whole lot sort of you know coming coming through, and there's a lot of technology that's obviously been released and made available in varying forms over you know over the last year. Um, I would say most most of this audience uh, will be people that have been you know leveraging varying elements of um, of generative AI uh, technology. We've you know chatted a lot about ChatGPT, uh, which is you know has, has taken you know a lot of attention, um, and then we've had the varying other sort of vendors sort of come in there. You know Microsoft with what they've done to uh, to, to license the uh, the technology. Uh, from OpenAI, uh, Google, you know IBM and others that have been you know offering their their uh, things for a, for a while in some forms, and have been bringing new tools through. Um, but if we look at, at 2024 sort of specifically, I'm keen to kind of get a, a little bit of a feel in terms of where we're going to go this year, and and I guess in a sense of sort of making that um, you know accessible for for our listeners in terms of. You know, not going too deep technically in terms of where we're going, but you know what what the opportunities are that uh, that we that we land on this year. Maybe, yeah. yeah. I th- I think there's going to be a big shift to, um, from um, you know the last year we had a lot of sort of beta applications coming out, things that people can play around with and get a sense of what's happening and, and how it all works. Um, and then there's going to be there's going to be a shift this year towards more practical applications of AI. We're going to see it pop up in, in, in everyday scenarios. We're going to see new user experiences come out that we haven't had exposure to before uh, where we'll be interacting with AI. And I think it's going to be, um, there's a whole bunch of technologies that are going to underpin that. Um, so multimodal AI um, agents and, and a whole bunch of other um, fundamental um, long-term memory for for AI, those sorts of technologies are, are, are sort of being rapidly developed, and that's going to underpin underpin a whole lot of user experience changes for people in their daily lives. Yep. Is, and is, is and just a- before we delve, delve further on that, for listeners who are wondering, you know, what you know, what do you, what are you meaning by you know by those terms in terms mm. of multimodal AI yep. and agents? Maybe you can just just break those down. Yeah, so multimodal is really exciting. It's um, you've a lot of people have been exposed to things like ChatGPT, which has been text. Um, that's the mode that that it um, it operates in is text. Um, and uh, but there's there's a whole bunch of other areas of research that have sort of come to a head as well that has been beyond text, like images and audio and different multimedia inputs and outputs. And once you stick all those things together, then you start getting really interesting combinations of things that you can do with AI. And then on top of that with things like agents. So agents are, at the moment, you have a conversation with ChatGPT, right? It's uh, reactive. But agents will allow it to be preemptive and allow it to kind of process things on its own and understand the world around it, uh, it um, without your interaction. And that will open up a whole lot of other things and then things like long-term memory having the ability for the AI to understand context of things that are not just within um, the immediate conversation that's going to open up a whole lot of other doors and user experience yeah I think there's a convergence here of of different types of artificial intelligence I mean we've you, you spoke about kind of the text generation, then text to image generation, text to video generation with the things like um, like uh, um, Pika Labs is coming out. Like there's some astonishingly 
good generative AI content production going on at the moment. Uh, and you know, we're, we're starting to see New Zealand companies leveraging these tools to create marketing and brand content. And soon you'll see, you know, uh, TVCs, maybe even full, fully-fledged Hollywood movies coming mm. out, which will be, you know, produced using generative AI. Um, and that's going to upend, you know, industries. Yeah, it's it's kind of mind blowing when you when you look at you know all of these all of these possibilities coming together. Um, and yeah, interesting. I was you know, chatting as as you do around these topics because it's it's so relevant. But I was I was chatting to uh, uh, yeah a few people over over the holiday break around um, you know the latest iteration of the Chat GPT app. And we've now landed in this world where, you know, as you're driving along, if you don't have somebody sitting next to you to, you know, an assistant sitting next to you to start Googling stuff and researching it and, mm. and giving you answers, you can actually, you know, have your phone and 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 use your voice to, uh, you know, to get those answers and to have that sort of conversation going back. And so that's obviously, a you know, that's a 2023 thing that's, you know, mm -hmm. that's already um, already here. I know some of our listeners may not have come across that, so I've, I think we'll just give it a little demo. I'm not quite sure what we should what we should ask it. So, has anyone got a either of you got a question that we should uh, fire at ChatGPT? What about what do you think the future of AI user experience will be? Imagine AI that understands your preferences and context better, making interactions more natural. Plus, we might see AI integrating seamlessly into daily life like smart homes that predict your needs or virtual assistants that manage schedules more effectively. Also, there's a trend towards more immersive experiences. Virtual and augmented reality could bring AI interactions to a whole new level, making them feel more real and engaging. And with advancements in language models, AI could become even better at understanding and generating human-like text, making conversations flow more smoothly. What do you think about these possibilities? It's a great self-promoter. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're going to cut you off, right? We're going to cut you off there, ChatGPT. Yeah. Thank you for uh, for being part of our part of our conversation today. Even just the quality of the voice there, the what it's able to deliver—that's something that we've got access to right now. You know, if we if we look across the general populace, it's probably a reasonably small percentage that are having these these voice conversations. Yet, you know, they're available to all of us. And it's it's that. Convergence of what's well, that shift from typing and text, right? Where you've got the in, your interface for data input as a keyboard, mm. and it's now your your voice, right? And and soon, um, or already, it's going to increasingly become gesture created as well, where you'll be able to um, have gesture commands to to interact with um, with devices as as well, and so, like I've I've got a a, a six month year old daughter, and I'm adamant she will never learn to type. Mm, that's interesting. I I just she probably will never learn to need to drive, and she'll probably never need to learn to type. Handwriting, yes, <laughs> I make sure that she learns to handwrite. But yeah, typing, I, I can't imagine that's going to be one that uh, they're going to be teaching in school anymore. Well, that that's, that's actually raises an interesting one because the few areas that we can delve into, education is as one of the one of the key um, areas. I you know I believe not just the sort of the formal education sector, but you know 
all of us being you know lifelong mm. learners and and these tools I think are really really helpful in terms of directing us and guiding us and and so on as as part of that. Um, David, any any thoughts on you know where the opportunities lie? And let's sort of focus this to you know towards New Zealand, where mm. where you see those opportunities are um, in education mm. and both for you know our broader listeners. Uh, who who all need to be educating themselves and their family members and and so on, um, and sort of the broader business opportunities. Yeah, and uh, well, to Justin's point earlier, is is we are going to see a fundamental disruption in the way that children are going to be interacting with um, with technology in the future, um, and you've just shown an excellent example of that. If I look at um, you know my uh, my my adopted son, he's seven years old. Um, when, when we adopted him, he was um, behind in school and was unable to uh, read or write. Um, but he could, could jump on Siri and find any information in the world that he wanted. He had more access to information than I had when I was 10, 12 years old before the internet happened, right? And he's never learned how to, to read or write, which is, which is really interesting. So you look at the education system um, now and what sort of skills they're teaching children, you've got to look a little bit further into the future we have so being being as part of being group um we uh we're acquiring when we do the the listing in um march we're acquiring a school as part of that so part of our remit is to invest in and acquire businesses that um are in need of or will be subject to digital disruption through ai which is pretty much every business uh, but education is a major focus for us and and our shareholders um because it's it is going to be the thing that fuels New Zealand, and and puts us um, if we do it right, puts us ahead of the rest of the world um, when it comes to uh, AI skills mm. and, and the way that the world's going to run in the future. Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, I is it, I mean, is this practical that you wouldn't be learning to type? I mean, you're acquiring a yeah, school, I mean, so you know, in that maybe you have some level of control, but governments sort of expect you know, certain things where, you know, we might sort of believe, hey, we can, you know, do X, Y, Z, but, you know, governments, of course, can be mandating that you that you need to do sort of something different and they're often, you know, quite, uh, you know, behind, yeah. shall, you know, shall so we we've say. Had, we've had interesting conversations um, with, with government um, across our group um, and, you know, there's, there's new things like partnership skills coming out which are going to enable us to explore better ways to do things. Um, you look at the school that that we've uh, that's coming into our group. They've they've looked from the beginning at different ways of doing it. So that's they've got a history of that now. So it's a private New Zealand private New high Zealand school, school, is it? Uh, it was, uh, so they from primary to high, okay. high school, okay. yeah. Um, and and being able to take that model from from that school and 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 project it out into um, into this new world that we're going into, um, where they're already thinking about um, what skills are children going to need to succeed. Rather than just just teaching, um, you know, you've got to learn how to write these things in cursive and all that sort of yeah, stuff yeah. that might not necessarily be skills for the future. Um, as that's that's going to be important for New Zealand schools to do. And I think things like partnership schools are going to um, help with that a lot. Um, and talking and 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 uh, opening up those conversations with the government and things that like Justin's doing, going out there and educating New Zealand businesses. Mm-hmm. And and government on on what this stuff means. That's really going to be important. Yeah, you know, I think you've, you, we we want to be teaching the fundamentals, so how things work, and then sparking curiosity. And no matter what your passion, 
what career or interest you have, if you've got the fundamental understanding of what artificial intelligence is and how the different elements of it can work, then you can see opportunities to leverage AI in whichever skill set or professional or personal field that you want want to be in. And that's really important, understanding what data can we be collecting, what are the interactions or the tasks that are repetitive that we can automate or augment. And so the pace of life, the pace of not necessarily the pace of life, the pace of doing stuff is going to change. Mm. And and that's why I kind of think about, you know, your typing speed is how many words a minute, Paul? <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure that we can all speak and generate uh, content a hell of a lot faster using our voice than we can um, typing. And I just think, you know, your, your point earlier around um, the transformation of, of UX, uh, you know, we're we're going to see devices that are going to completely change in their mm. shape and style um, and, and wearables and the way that they project or augment other elements um, around us. And I think they're largely going to be um, gesture and, 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 and voice enabled. The way that we communicate with each other using voice and gestures is exactly the same way as we'll be communicating with, with computers. And that's you know, what we've seen with ChatGPT over the last 18 months that's made it so accessible to the general public is we're interacting with these machines in a very human-like way. And that's the that's amazing and scary at the same time. Well, it's kind of the goal of, of user experience, right, is to make it more natural and human. Mm. Because we've seen the evolution of that from this mouse thing that, you know, was kind of kind of a good way to interact with computers all the way up to you know, iPads and iPhones, which was much more, you know, finger gestures, much more user-friendly, and kids can jump on and learn it pretty quickly to a point where it's just completely intuitive. Mm. And that's been the trend of user experience. But, and, you know, it's not not too long before apps won't exist. That's a, that's another thing that people, um, an area of disruption that, um, you know, people don't necessarily see coming is that, you know, if, if, a, if AI can write code in real time for anything you describe and ask it to do, why would you want to build an app, right? <laughs> you can it can write your the, the application that you need to do in that moment, and then just get rid of it. I think those are places where it's going to disrupt uh, existing what we thought a couple of years ago as high tech businesses are going to be completely disrupted by AI in those sorts of ways. Yeah, I think that's an example that will probably you know completely blow, blow, blow people's minds. <laughs> um, and as I start sort of you know delving into it inside my head, it's like my head's exploding into small pieces um, all over the room, um, in my mind anyway. Um, uh, yeah, there, I mean, there, there's so much of you sort of, you know, break, break that down in terms of, you know, I guess... Uh, the reality of the, you know, we do like the consistency of being able to tap in and and use our apps and use, you know, use different things. But I, I get I get that it that it's changing. I'm not I'm not sure how quickly on the fly we're going to be rewriting this, um, you know, how we operate. But we definitely are, mm. and and I guess how how it evolves is kind of open to is open to a lot of imagination and, mm. and interpretation mm. in terms of you know how it ultimately plays out. But it's obviously probably bigger than what any one individual can put oh, together because oh, sure. we only kind of, you know, we'll only see it from our own perspectives, right? So far, for the most part, in the last 12 months or so, we've seen lots of different companies 
hammering some AI into their product, mm. right? They're just doing the integration, um, we're, we're putting some generative AI or some kind of functionality into their software platform. And where we're going to start seeing the real transformation is when new ideas are developed using generative AI from the ground up, right? We, we wash away all of this the last 20 years of design structure and thinking and the way that we build and the way that we code, and we start doing it using entirely generative AI processes and integrations. And, and that's where a lot of these um, traditional legacy technology platforms should feel pretty concerned because mm. it's quite likely that a competitor could be stood up in a few months let alone the fact that they've been building their legacy platform for you know for ten years. So mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. the speed of innovation is is going to continue to accelerate, but at a much more astonishing rate than you know. And that's yeah, why that's yeah. why things like um, uh, New Zealand AI and being AI need to exist mm -hmm. is because there are a, a whole lot of legacy businesses out there, a whole lot of companies out there that don't necessarily understand what that disruption is going to be for them. Yeah, and they need to do something about it. And they need to do it pretty damn quickly. Yeah, and I, th and I look, I think it's going to vary a lot according to the, the the types of entities and so on. And there's still a lot to be said for getting our feet wet and using the technology. Uh, I drove through Burger King, uh, I don't know, three or four days ago, and it's the first time I've drove, driven up and not spoken to a person. Mm. And so in New Zealand, they've got now three uh, three stores where you drive up and it asks for your order. And you're recognizing, hold on, that's a very computerized voice, I believe, right. and it's basically operating exactly the same way as a normal as the normal person uh, asking you the question. You know, what do you want? I want a couple of ice creams. It's a hot day, um, and and it did a pretty good job. Like it wasn't it wasn't completely tweaked. Like at the end, it said that'll be two. I'm like, what? Two cents? Two dollars? Uh, yeah. uh, you've left a word out there, but. Um, but something they probably rolled out reason, reasonably quickly, and it's you know it's probably helping them deliver um, maybe with a, you know lack of workforce, whatever you know whatever the, the things are. On the flip side, they're possibly dropping the user experience from an individual's perspective who's used to dealing with a person. So these are some of the things. But what I like is that they're trying out the technology. They're working. On where it fits. Yes, they're not completely disrupting their business, but I think, you know, most of us in the technology world can imagine, um, you know, a Burger King that you could drive through that has nobody working in there, or a Burger King you don't have to drive to at all because mm. the, the nearest one drops it to you via drone. There's all these sort of, you know, possibilities, right? So there's a key word, disrupting your business. And this is where a lot of companies probably stall with, with artificial intelligence is mm. they think that it's going to have to change everything that they do, right? It's, and it, it, it doesn't. Most of the applications that we're seeing in businesses around New Zealand, certainly the work I'm doing, are small tasks or small workflows. And we're finding hundreds of use cases when we deep in, dig into the different teams and how they do business and the way that they operate, we can identify hundreds of different use cases and then start identifying what's the solution that we might put into to solve some of those or the different integrations and workflows. But it's not about 
completely reimagining the way that you do business. It's about lots of incremental improvements, which you know together is over time is going to create new superpowers for the, for your business. But it's not necessarily a you know a whole of company uh, transformation where you're ripping everything out and starting again. It's it's just it's a it's 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 fast, but it's gradual. Yeah, you know? there's, I guess there's opportunity for both, isn't mm, there? But oh, when, sure, when yeah. we look at it, there's not a lot of Airbnbs in the world, right? There's there's not a lot of uh, Netflixes and 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 so on. So there there will be some that will have those you know completely mind blowing ideas that completely destroy or you know reshape a particular sector or become you know new areas. But the reality is, for for most people that are listening to this. Um, you know the immediate opportunity is is you know how can we apply some you know yeah. some aspect of artificial intelligence to to provide those sort of smaller incremental things and if you keep stacking those things up on a you know on an ongoing basis actually before you know it you do end up with so, something that is quite different to where you were a year or two ago. How can we use AI to become more competitive? to increase our productivity or efficiency, to bridge the skills gap, because we know most companies are struggling to find the right people when they need them. Uh, and maybe it, some of it it's, might be reduced costs. So there might be some roles. And this is that kind of what I mentioned earlier around sustainable careers, is that the roles are going to change. There are going to be aspects of your job which are going to become automated or augmented with artificial intelligence. That doesn't mean that your entire job is non-existent. It just means that your role is going to is going to change, and and so that might free you up to do higher value work or more meaningful work that's going to contribute to the company in a completely different way. And the tasks that you have to do every single day that drive you batty, because they're just repetitive chores. You can kiss them goodbye because the machines will be able to take over those for you. Especially um, if you don't like doing them, right? It's a yeah. bit of a different oh, thing if it's yeah. like, hey, I love writing and I'm really good at this and it's it's you know, it's my passion. That's your that's a, that's right? your craft, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um so there's that balance. Um I don't know if Joe Allen's mic is on, but Joe Allen uses AI tools and has done for you know, for some time within the studio. If you're able to give us a you know, a quick summary of, of how it helps you and how that's kind of impacted your work. Hi, Paul. Hi, team. Yeah, um, I found that AI has really been helpful for me just to, as Justin said, get rid of some of those menial tasks that are very repetitive just by using a handful of tools from a podcast NZ point of view. I can send it the data. It goes through. It gives me a whole bunch of options. And then I can media and curate the content that I want to um, put out there. So I'm still having that touch. I'm still being, as, as Paul said, being able to do some of the creativity, but it just takes a lot of the legwork out for me. Mm. Having a tool that, you know, can basically listen through the whole episode and then kind of summarise, like that's actually a really time-consuming thing to to write these things up and so on. And at the end of the episode, my mind is, is full and I'm not kind of in a state where I kind of feel like, yeah, I can write up a summary you know, mm -hmm. of that, we've got editing and stuff to get on with. So that idea to be able to hand it over and it to carry some of that workload so is, is just so helpful. It's not role replacement, right? It's, it's augmentation. And there's still a human in the loop here, mm -hmm. right? And it's, it's still really important. It's not like we're just letting the AI go off and, and do its thing. We're providing some tasks. It's generating some outputs. We're checking it. We're doing our human stuff on layers on top of it. 
Uh, and so it's it's been that digital assistant uh, that's supporting us at an individual level, at a team level, or at a company level. Mm. The trick yeah. for New Zealand businesses is is going to be navigating the sea of tools yeah. that are out there, the sea of innovation. It's a daily barrage, <laughs> almost, <laughs> of new new technology being developed, new studies being put out, new white papers to yeah. read, new products coming to market. What ones are the the genuine ones? What ones are just a lot of fluff or hype? Um, what ones are going to apply to your business? What ones are going to disrupt your business? It's a it's a massive market. If you want to, you know, condense the first fifteen years of the internet into twelve months, that's what I think we're going to see that yeah. that kind yeah. of scale. And and you you raised some really good points there. You know, I think around um, you know the 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 role that my business plays, working with helping smaller to medium organisations to leverage technology well. And one of the most common things we see is that desire to adopt some new technology. Oh, we found this really cool app or this platform, or we need one, and how do you know how do we pick them? And it's always um, it's always quite a, you know quite an interesting journey uh, through that. And sometimes a, a, an organisation will say, "Oh no, we've got it. We can we can figure this out ourselves." And then you know we're looking at, "Oh, what about your data? You know, privacy. What are they going to do with your data mm-hmm. if you're handing over?" All your stuff to some random firm that's opened up and you know on the other other side of the world, and suddenly they've got all your data to to do this smart stuff with. Do you know? Do you trust them with what they're going to do with the data that you're feeding into it? And then you know, how long is that firm going to be around? Are you going to really get reliant on them? And actually, there are you know there are tech startup that only had a sort of you know small runway in terms of you know the finances available to them. That's run out. You've got all your stuff in there. And oh, they're gone, or you know, there, there's just there's so many things that we kind of see, uh, you know, with with the stuff. Um, and actually, we need to be able to, you know, move really quickly, but also be making, you know, good, educated, um, you know, choices with with what we adopt, right? Fancy tech's all fair and well, but you've got to understand what's the business problem we're trying to solve with this, or what's the new interaction opportunity we're trying to create and then go and find you know uh, it's so it's it's all or on the other hand it is foster your curiosity and just play around with whatever you can get your hands on mm. and figure out the ways that you can use that to short shift what you do at work so there's kind of two different um two different ways that companies come to come to me with 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 questions on on their journey and you know, we we help them navigate through that plethora of 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 new tools, and the exciting thing is is that there's lots of uh, New Zealand made, New Zealand designed and built AI for business tools that are that are coming on the market, and you know that that means we it's going to become more accessible from a cost and support as well as you know just being able to 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 buy and use. Kiwi Tech, rather than having to continually look offshore for, for a solution. So yeah, and we definitely want to be, you know, we want to be encouraging that, right? We want you know Kiwis to be building things for Kiwis, but you know even more so for the global audience. Yes, yeah. if they can build you know tools that are going to help you know all organisations or you know broad range of local organisations do better. Um, 
but we also want to be we want to be exporting and kind of leading the way. So, what are your thoughts, David, on how we how we how we do that? How can how can yeah. New Zealand sort of you know really lead from from that perspective? Um, we've got great examples in New Zealand of of New Zealand New Zealanders doing that. You know, we've got you know look at look at the stuff that Zero has done. Look at the stuff that you know Peter Jackson and, and Wetter and um, those guys have done, and, and we've got More view. yeah, <laughs> we've got we've got fantastic example, and e- actually even Futureverse, you know, billion dollar New Zealand company out there leading the world in in uh, several places, and in, in including music AI, which is really um, really interesting space. Um, and it, it takes it takes a global focus. It's like you take you take that New Zealand ingenuity, that that thing that we've grown up with. You know, the thing that I'm proud to be a, a Kiwi for Kiwi ingenuity. Kiwi ingenuity yeah. is uh, you take that and you direct that externally, right? You you don't look at what what um, what you know you can do just for the guy down the road, but you look at what you can do for the world. Uh, and we we live in a world where that's possible now. You know, the borders. Are, are so much thinner than they used to be. We're not an island anymore in a lot of sense, you know. We're we're connected to the rest of the world, and that's that's what the internet's enabled us to do, and and, and modern technology. And um, you know, you you got to think about what your your idea can do for the world um, outside of New Zealand, and and just go for it. And I want to support um, New Zealand startups. Part of Part of our remit um, within uh, being AI is uh, we've got a ventures arm, um, is specifically to do that to look at ventures that we can we can support. And I want to see Kiwi companies um, having that global focus and and taking our our powerful ingen- ingenuity and, and putting it out there. Yeah, and it and it does seem as though there is that uh, growing availability of uh, of funding to you know support startups and, and companies in this space and I think that that is going to be really important because we're going to need to move quite quickly mm. uh, and yeah opportunities are, you know potentially going to be uh, going to be lost if, if firms can't you know tap into the appropriate sort of you know capital and and that you know broader expertise in the in the varying areas from getting out and sort of selling to the world to you know, just having the right sort of leadership skills, which of course New Zealand's so much you know stronger in than where we were a decade ago. Oh, for sure. And to have an ecosystem approach, you know, Kiwi companies helping Kiwi companies. Mm. Um, if if we just if we just turned inwards, then we end up you know fighting over a few scraps. But if we we look to to the global um, market and we see what all of the New Zealand companies can do together, um, a thousands is a a quote from my brother and um, that he said a few years ago, Aaron McDonald, a thousand zebras is better than one unicorn, right? So if we had, you know, a thousand realistic projects all going in one direction is better than a mythical creature that doesn't exist. Yeah. We're so well positioned, though, aren't we? I mean, we've had, like, the last 20 years of, you know, great New Zealand technology been designed and built, exported around the world, a lot of wealth being transferred back to employees as through ESOP programs and investors. And so that whole VC market in New Zealand is um, is, is is well established. We've got um, you know incubators and universities and research. there's a lot there as well as all of the international um, support networks which are there to um, help companies land and expand. And now with artificial intelligence, it's it's the the, the tricky part of this is coming up again, well, like with any startup, is coming up with the right idea, right? And mm. being able to have that intuition uh, and 
the ballsiness to go with that intuition uh, with that all that support. Ideas are usually, in my experience, the easy part. It's executing. It is uh, pulling together the resources mm. and sticking with it until the job's done. That's the hard part of getting something off the ground. I think it dep- probably depends where you sit because within a you know within say a small organisation like mine, mm. you, yeah, it's it's there's that combination of finding what are the right ideas that are going to add that immediate value. Some of which can be quite quick, and you can have an idea in the morning and put it in place in the afternoon, right? Mm. In, a, in a smaller organisation, but I think of some of the the bigger things that that we're trying to do and you know the ideas are there and it's exactly as you say of like ah oh, uh, we don't quite have enough you know resource on the developer side and mm. and and so on to have been able to you know, know execute yeah. uh, some of the things that are you know that are in the in the plants and so that you know that's part of what we'll we'll work through and and you know hopefully execute uh, you know over the over the next sort of three you know three to six months but some of these things um, you know, the quicker you can get going, and and your that that execution ability um, can make a difference between whether you're in business and and yeah. not in business. Right? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Trying to design and build a new AI powered something must be daunting, given the fact that OpenAI is just eating up all of these different ideas. That you know, the these big tech companies are just looking at all of these. Little use cases and things that are popping up all over the time, all over the place, uh, and can quickly incorporate that functionality into what they're doing. So, you know, being able to have that creativity and foresight to kind of really see um, a, 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 a use case or a scenario or a new business idea that's not likely to get washed up into some other like that must be. Uh, Pretty, pretty challenging. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think there's, um, you know, there are these sort of smaller niche niche tools and so on that are becoming available, lots, you know, lots and lots of them, as we sort of talked about before. Um, you know, that won't necessarily be available from a big player that, you know, we probably all can tap into in different, you know, in differing ways. And, you know, I, I think of, you know, what we've done in, in the, uh, you know, in the podcast work with um, Podcast NZ, and you know we found a tool set that is is saving a whole lot of time. Yes, you could go out and do it, you know, three or four or ten or a hundred other mm-hmm. ways. But um, someone's built something that's quite you know niche and fits in quite tightly with our uh, with our workflow. And so, you know, I think each organisation will have those unique things where where that can you know that can make sense. And then you've got. Obviously, the the big players, and I think we do want to delve into sort of the role of you know OpenAI and Microsoft and Google, the open source things that are that are coming through as well. Um, but I, I was chatting to um, chatting to uh, someone. I guess it was an off the record, um, but a bit of commentary, um, but a, around the the role of. Um, of Microsoft's, um, you know, Copilot within 365, which isn't broadly available yet. Um, but the, the the sort of summary, which I'm I'm sure they'd be okay with me sharing, was was that um, their sort of strongest use case of this, you know, big tool set that's become available uh, to some organisations within the 365 world. Their their biggest sort of value they were getting out of it. Um, was its ability to summarise their meetings and who needs to do mm. what at the at the end of it, 
Um, but you know, these things are all kind of gonna gonna vary in terms of what we need. You might find well, it's not worth paying for a big tool set just to do that one thing because we might have another tool, or you might have something that ties in more to your workflow. So you know, mm. I think we we will probably find a range of of things to tap into. I think every company, no matter what size, has a problem with organizational knowledge. Sure, you can save documents in SharePoint or Google Drive or wherever you want to pull it, put, put, put it or on your local machines and you know, good luck finding anything. Now, with generative AI and some of these tools like Microsoft Copilot or, um, or SmartSpace, um, you know, we've got the ability to use generative search and generative AI to not just find documents but find ideas within documents and then create the workflows off the back of all of that to create tasks or to create new documents using generative AI. Uh, and to be able to then uh, record, store, and use organizational knowledge in a much more seamless way that we've not been able to do elegantly until now, as, as well as we can now. And a lot of you know companies, people are using ChatGPT four or three and a half. They're using their personal accounts mm. to do company work, to mm. ask it questions, to come up with structures and documents and ideas for the work that they're doing. And all of that knowledge is all going out of your tenancy. It's, mm. it's leaving mm. the business. Mm. And so we need to be bringing that GPT functionality, that generative AI functionality as enterprise-grade tech within your tenancy so that we can utilise all of those, those ideas and build on them so that when someone resigns or leaves the business, that a lot of that stuff walks out the door with them and we need to be able to you know, retain that as much as possible, I think. I think it's, it's interesting to even look at how we're using AI when you, when you talk about that um, process flow that you just mm, went through. Mm, mm. You have somebody using AI to create a big document, giving it a summary, sending it to someone else who's using AI to reduce that document into a summary, right? And that's what's that's going on a surprising amount at the mo moment. Chinese whispers. It, yeah, a little, it's, yeah, that, and, and you get a little bit of that effect as well. But it is funny that we're using all this, this power and technology to blow something up and then shrink it down again um, on the other side. Um, when, when in reality we, we might need to look at ways that we have AI communicating to AI. So I have an AI on this side that communicates to uh, an AI on that side and it summarises the information between the two of them that we need. So those sorts of uh, advancements are, are going to be the ones that are going to change the way that we do things. And I think we'll see a little bit less of this, you know, double working that's going on at the moment um, in the future when when those sorts of innovations start. To yeah, come I think in the same way we've got you know we've had apps that talk to other apps through through APIs mm -hmm. and so on. You know we will we will get these more you know more seamless um, you know communications and yeah. and uh, and integration. Now um, before we wrap up, I think it, w it would be good just to sort of. I guess you know we don't have a lot of time, but sort of lightly sort of talk about the role of of the different uh, you know players, and I think we're probably going to need to come back into another another mm. session to delve into some of the other um, 
other aspects. Obviously, we you know we had OpenAI kind of uh, you know just about imploding, and then uh, <laughs> and then you know kind of coming coming back together. Uh, Wasn't that some theatre in, in in recent weeks? And uh, and so you know so that's happened sort of you know the end of twenty twenty three. Things are now back together. Uh, Google. Yeah, really, really interesting to to see some of the or to see glimpses of some of the work that uh, that they've done, and yeah, their uh, confidence, arrogance, however you want to sort of put it in terms of how they're they're better than uh, OpenAI with uh, with what they're uh, you know they're delivering now. Uh, them sort of talking about hey, what we've built is multi multi modal versus what. Uh, OpenAI are, are doing isn't, and you know there's probably a whole lot of debate around whether that stuff's you know true, true or not. Um, but you know how how do you both sort of see for for those that are listening and wondering, well, you know where where should we be sort of placing bets, or who should we be looking to in terms of you know whose technology to be um, you know leveraging this year? How do you you know how do you make those sort of decisions? So. Um, as far as I think, I think we've got a lot of water to go under the bridge before we start deciding on on who's going to be a winner yeah. um, in this space. One thing I know for sure. So if I was to be placing bets, it would be on any anything open source. O- open source um, community is going to outpace proprietary community all day long in this space. The pace of innovation that the open source community can um, can do the the different ideas and the different hypotheses that they can test on a daily basis is greater than one single organization can do. Um, so that my, my bets on uh, on um, open source communities, you look at what Google's doing, um, they're embracing, they, they've kind of got their, their own internal um, uh, proprietary stuff, they've got career contributing towards open source mm. stuff and they're embracing other open source products in their, in their cloud suites. I think that's a great approach. Um, and you see uh, Amazon's also um, uh, having a, a similar approach um, in the way that they're looking at, so I think that's going to be the way the way it's going to pan out. Um, the, these most of these organisations are hedging their bets, um, just like we should be. You know, um, the competition's is, good though, isn't it? It is. Like, it is I mean, we're in a great good. position yeah. to yeah. to. We're not sitting here and saying there's w- just one dominant player, mm-hmm. uh, and they're going to be able to kind of extract. Unlimited amounts of money out of us. We've actually we've got a, a you know I think a really good level of competition. Although yep. you know there's obviously some clear le- you know leadership at the moment. Yeah, and you've got some some new new companies out there like Hugging Face, and you know there's all sorts of new organisations um, that are that are stepping up with with models and functionality, which uh, again well, is it's great for competition and and great for innovation. And Hugging so. Face joining forces with AWS. I think that's a powerful mm. combination there of, of capability that and they can do. Let's not forget Meta out of the conversation uh, either with 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 some of the the models that that they're developing. Um, I think certainly one to watch. Uh, and again, it's you know they're they're, they're going to have different strengths and weaknesses in terms of uh, the the skills that they're going to be really good at or or tuned for. Uh, and I think. I think we might have mentioned earlier around um, like I can run a, 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 a seven and a half billion parameter large language model on my phone now mm. right and so we can then start training um, and we're getting 
we're getting language models that are getting smaller and smaller and smaller, right? So two billion parameters and being able to fine tune and train those. And I think uh, you know individuals and companies will now start looking at 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 how do we how do we leverage some of these these smaller open source models um, and and train them for specific tasks that we want to do. And so it's again, it's getting into that minuet of things that we want to be able to do. It's not about this massive transformation program. It's about thinking about what's the problem we can solve or the new thing that we can create um, with some of the data or, you know, things that we can collect. So, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a great time when, to be alive when you can, you know, be creative with some of these new and emerging techs and they're not that difficult to start playing around with. Yeah. Well, as we as we finish up, I'd like, you know, to say thank you to the both for, for joining the conversation. I do think there's there's more we're going to have to kind of keep coming back on on this mm-hmm. conversation. It would be great to involve you uh, both during the year. Um, and, of course, there's, there's been a lot of discussion this last year as well. So, you know, there are there are areas that we haven't sort of delved into in terms of, you know, the role of, of government and legislation and uh, data privacy and, you know, uh, the robots taking all of our jobs and, and the, <laughs> these sorts of discussions. Um, but, you know, we'll keep coming back on on these things um, and, and also looking at how do we solve some of those bigger problems that, you know, we have as a as a country and, you know, what's what's the role of AI going to play there? Um, but, yeah, thank you both for joining the show. Um, a big thank you to our show partners who, who make all of this possible, uh, 1NZ, 2 Degrees, Spark, HP, and Gorilla Technology. Um, and, look, you know, the, the nature of AI means everybody's sort of involved in one way or another. Uh, so if you work with those companies or, you know, th- those companies are, are, are worth looking up in terms of what they're doing from an AI perspective, I see from, uh, you know, HP, they're starting to sort of build in an element. You're buying a machine uh, and we'll see more of this, a device that sort of comes with, you know, AI chips or AI sort of, mm-hmm. you know, software element to it. Um, you know, the... the, um, the Telcos are no longer you just telcos. Of course, they're they're offering you know a range of things. So um, there are plenty of sort of touch points with organisations that can help us, uh, including your own companies and uh, uh, and and mine. And of course, I guess the three of us are are, are uh, out speaking to audiences as well on this subject. Absolutely. So you know, I guess the encouragement is for listeners is to you know you probably everybody will have will have made some steps forward in twenty twenty three. Um, but we need to kind of go next level with that for, for 2024 uh, and not kind of kick back and go, oh, okay, yep, 2023, that was the AI year. 2024, we've, we've got to, you know, work on work on other things. I think it's, you know, it's going to be a key part uh, of our future. Agreed. Absolutely. 2024 is the year AI becomes general. <laughs> nice. Where do, where do people track you down, uh, Justin, if they're uh, wanting to get in touch? Uh, you can visit NewZealand.ai or uh, uh, connect with me on LinkedIn, Justin Flitter, or, or uh, X, uh, Justin Flitter, and, and NewZealand.ai. I'm, I'm, I'm everywhere. Easy, easy. Yep. And David? Uh, likewise, so um, being consultants um, and uh, connect with me on, on Twitter as well, David McDonald, um, and on, uh, sorry, 
was it X now? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and LinkedIn, obviously, David McDonald. Yeah, that's great. Um, and for folks wanting who are listening to the audio, uh, make sure you tap in to get access to the live feeds that we, we do most weeks uh, if we're all able to get together in the, in the studio. Uh, so the best way is probably following myself, uh, Paul Spain, on LinkedIn, uh, but we do also stream across on X, uh, Facebook, and YouTube. Uh, and of course, you're um, watching the live stream, then make sure you fire up Spotify, or whatever you use for podcasts to uh, subscribe uh, to the weekly NZ Tech podcast uh, audio. All right. Thanks, everyone. And uh, thanks again to our show partners. And we'll look forward to catching you again next week. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.